Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I, when I tell you that I listened to this book in record time and felt that this was a personal book for me, if you listen to this podcast, you know that probably every episode has some ounce of nostalgia and most of the time it's towards a TV show 90210 we all know that that was my my top but to a TV show a song book whatever that nostalgia is something that is so important to me and so this book I saw this book I reached out to the author I think both I think it came out like the cover reveal and I was like oh my god oh my god I have to figure out how to reach reach this author and then through one of my podcast episodes with Erin Carlson, figured out that this was a friend of Erin's. She did a blurb. She was talking about when I asked current and fav- most favorite read, this was the book. And I literally screamed in that episode because I was like, I need this book. Um, and I know this is going on for so long, but I just can't contain my joy for this book. But anyways, the book is called Freaks, Gleeks, and Dawson's Creek, How 17 Shows Transformed Television. And I am so excited to welcome Thea Glassman to Books Are Chic. Welcome, Thea. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I know I just told this to you before we started recording. This book was pure joy, pure joy in a book. I needed this book. If you grew up during a time with these shows, you need to read this book or listen to this book. Like it is just nostalgia at its finest for this generation that, you know, grew up with these TV shows. That makes me so happy to hear. And it was so, you know, it took me maybe like two years to write this book. So I got to live in that nostalgic bubble for two years and have an excuse to sit down and watch Dawson's Creek and like analyze the episodes and talk to the writers and actors and directors. And so it was like, I felt like I was 15 again, but living out my wildest fantasies at 15. It's like, that is a dream job that you're like, all right, I guess I have to hunker down and dive into, you know, the OC, which like, if I had all the time in the world, I would do a million rewatches. You don't realize at the time, like, you know, in your heart, you're like, oh, I have to get to the next episode next week. I can't wait to watch it. But then like, when you reflect on some of these shows, you're like, that show was so good. Even like rewatching the OC's pilot, this is like master television. I, I forgot quite how wonderful that pilot was and how it was like so much. I feel like I went into this feeling like teen TV is often just really disregarded and like people sort of write it off. I think particularly because women love teen TV and that's mm-hmm. adds a layer of people writing it off. This is like these were really like some of these were like cinematic masterpieces. Rewatching Friday Night Lights, um, oh, the New York Times reviewed it and called it like an opera. And I was like, yeah, that. That's accurate. Friday Night Lights in the first episode, that was something I absolutely did not see. Like you are given like this uber ounce of drama in the very first episode. And you're thinking like as you're watching it in the beginning, you're like, okay, this is going to be like a sports show. We already know some of the players. And then boom, this this huge thing happens in the first episode. And and then you're like, okay, the whole trajectory of what you thought the show was going to be is not going to be what you thought and that show oh I don't even know what to say about that show I just 
Love that show. I, I, I was, I was going in. I, I don't really know a lot about sports. So I was, I mean, I, I went to a sport school and I think I maybe went to one football game. So I remember being a little bit dubious, but like, I mean, that one I think was the most, one of the most fascinating ones to go behind the scenes of because it was so like an anarchy over there. They were like doing things so differently. They were, there were no rehearsals. There were no marks. Those, all those actors were improvising, which like really don't see on a network television show, which was so fascinating to learn. Yeah, no, I, okay, okay. We're getting out of order. Okay, first Thea, tell us a little bit of your background and how, your background sort of brought you to the why of this book. Like, why did you decide this book? And then I'm going to ask you why these shows. Yes. Um, so I am an entertainment journalist and I went freelance in about 2017, I would say. And um, around that time, time I discovered that it was the 20th anniversary of Dawson's Creek so I, I pitched this story about going inside the writer's room of Dawson's Creek and interviewing all the writers and kind of getting the the scoop on how they created the show and memorable episodes and it was my favorite assignment I've ever done uh it was so fascinating it was so interesting learning what it was like to write a teen television show and what kind of like boot camp experience it was especially for a lot of these writers who I was fascinated to learn Jenny Bix went on to write on Sex and City, like uh, Tom Capano's created Californication. So a lot of them got their start uh, in teen TV. And I started thinking, oh, I'd love to do a larger project on teen television and maybe expand it. I mean, when I first started, I had, I think, 15 shows I wanted to write about and I had to narrow that down. It was it was too many. So I narrowed it down to seven, but it was very hard to to choose. To narrow it down. Give me some that didn't make the chopping block. I, so I loved Lizzie McGuire so much growing up. I was a big Lizzie fan. Yeah. Yeah, And I really wanted to, I think I couldn't make enough of a case that it was like one of those really groundbreaking shows, but I, I wanted to, and it was so fun to do the research on that and learn about how they did the bra episode. I think it was the first time they said the word bra on the Disney channel. Um, yeah, so I was disappointed about that one. Yeah. They um I didn't realize that that, but I mean, yeah, that show, yeah, I think probably if I think about Disney probably was one of the fir- first sort of like tween teen shows for for Disney and that obviously was groundbreaking and then, you know, Hillary Duff went on to be this like mega star. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lizzie McGuire. Um Yeah. Okay, let so what were some of aside from these teen shows, give me some other shows and they don't need to be shows that were potentially going to be involved with this book, but like what shows did you love growing up? This is what I always ask cuz I I'm curious if people remember shows like that I do and people are like, "Oh my god," you know. <laughs> I no, I like I was such a I was a, a TV fiend. I was TV was not super like allowed. And we are my we had a small black and white television that we weren't really encouraged to watch, which I don't know if that like made it even more intriguing. Yeah. Um so we didn't have cable, but we could kind of get the WB so I could kind of mm-hmm. watch Friends. I fell in love with Fr- I I fell in love with Friends in a way that I cannot even tell you. I um would just research where they filmed the exterior of the apartment house because I wanted to be inside the show so badly. And I finally went and found that apartment house. Um, and that was, I think, when I first realized, oh, wow, this TV is, I 
there's love of TV and then there's an obsession and that yes. was an obsession that I felt. Um, so I think Friends was a really, really big one. I really fell in love with Gilmore Girls. I remember all the mm. box set DVDs that I would watch with my friends. And that was another kind of, I think comfort TV was something that really landed for me. And Gilmore Girls is just like a quintessential comfort food. So that was another really big one. Gilmore Girls. So I did not watch Gilmore Girls live. I actually started watching Gilmore Girls when I moved into this house. So seven years ago. So I was 33. Um, So have been like, and I'm not even done with it yet because I would like take breaks. And I, at 33 years old, was like, why did I not watch this show? I think because I don't know where it fell, like if I was high school. I'm not sure. Um, but that is like a comfort food show. It feels like you're oh, just yeah. turning on like your family and friends and you're like, oh, perfect. I just, you know, the storylines, the te- like Stars Hollow feels like a place, oh. you know, and I live in New England. So it feels like every other town we drive through. <laughs> it's it's like, it's just like, like a snow globe is how yes. I think it's been described. Stars Hollow. You just want to slip inside. You just want to be part like, of it. Same. Yeah. Ah, with I'm like just, a coffee. I've, Right, right. Head to Luke's. Yeah. Are you, what season are you up to? Right I am now? on season, how many seasons were there? Seven? There were seven, yeah. Six. So I'm on season six. So I'm almost done. And then I have all the movies. Oh, man. Okay. I'm very curious what you think about Oh, movies, I'll report but, back. Yeah. I'll report yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Please I, do. um, okay, WB. Yeah. I mean, I was a huge Friends fan. Um, and like I mentioned, I watched, started watching 90210 at like a very young age because I had this babysitter and she recorded them on VHSs and I would be like watching them. And I don't think my mom, like, I was like, I'm watching the show. I love it. And like had a club. I was way too young. Like it'd be like if my daughter was watching it, like way too young, but like they were teens. So that was cool for like an elementary school kid. Um, and, you know, I think that it's funny, like my daughter will ask what, she, you know, like she likes, like wants to like, she's only nine, you know, teenish shows. And so I've introduced like Full House and Say by the Bell. And she's like, wait, you watch these when you were little? I'm like, yeah. And I feel like same with your book, like these shows get like a resurgence now that we can just pop on Hulu or Netflix and just you know, pop them on. And so like they're being rediscovered by the these whole new generations. And I feel like that's why, which I love, but why your book like was just so special to me because like we lived that. it We didn't have the luxury of like next episode, next episode. It was like on Wednesday night, it was like next week on Dawson's Creek. And you were like, right. you know. I wonder if that's part of why we like – Part of what made it so special was I like that so. water cooler element, the hype, but water cooler, but the equivalent in the high school hallways. Um, and for Dawson's, I was ordering it in, on Netflix. So you're just waiting for the next DVD to come. That anticipation, the like inability to binge, I almost mm-hmm. think made it so much more of a slow burn and an investment into these characters and these love triangles and these intense plot lines. Yeah. And the like, you were or if it was like to be continued that feeling that you were like no because it was like you were so you were like how are you doing this to me but I do think I do think that is true and it's funny to explain to kids now I'm like we had to wait a week like it was painful like you can just fast forward skip you know and the whole thing like I said about VHS is like 
my, like my mom would record on VHS. If I was like, I'm, you know, going to be at field hockey this night and I'm not going to be at home in time. Can you start recording? And it was, you know, multiple VHSs all over, you know, living rooms. Cause, and you'd rewatch the same episode up until the next week. It is that it was so fascinating with the Marissa dying moment because it was Ugh. to hear everyone's experience with that because it was the same thing. My friend, uh, who I included her in the book, she talked about how she had dance recital, but her mom said, okay, I'll tape it on VHS. And she accidentally taped a cooking show over it. And my friend was just like in tears because she missed this I moment. felt that pain. I was like, <laughs> yes. I feel that pain right now for her because that would have been like devastating life-changing yeah I feel like fans of that show can tell you exactly where they were when Marissa died that was yes. like what a seminal you moment can still, in our like yeah life. you can still see it in your mind with hallelujah happening which was like <laughs> it's the same it, yeah and like songs for things were so like you can just remember and you know theme songs and stuff like that it's just like just part of the whole package but I, let me tell people I didn't even say, so we, it's sort of in the title, but the shows that Thea does like a full deep dive, my Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, my so-called life, Dawson's Creek, Freaks and Geeks, the OC, Friday Night Lights, and Glee. Um, Okay. So for each show, give us like a little blurb about why they made the cut. Yeah. So Fresh Prince, starting with Fresh Prince, I really wanted to do a teen show that was a sitcom. It's my only sitcom. And I was mm -hmm. kind of fascinated to hear about the process of making it. And the Fresh Prince was really interesting because it blended comedy and drama in a way that I don't think a lot of sitcoms did at the time. And mm -hmm. it was really fascinating to go inside the writer's room and also find out Will Smith its own contributions to creating, finding, using real life moments like what happened to Rodney King and what happens when you're a black man and you're pulled over um, by a police officer and they took these real moments and I think they very bravely stitched it into this like traditional sitcom um, format. And I was also very curious to hear like about Will Smith's Genesis. This did happen, actually, I, I did this way before the slap. So this kind of, as I was writing it, it was also interesting to kind of like process it through that lens as well. Yeah, I was actually listening to the Will Smith biography when the slap happened, like coincidentally. And like I had and I love the Fresh Prince and I love Will Smith. Like I, you know, he was part of our like growing up. Like that was, you know, he was such a big celebrity. But like I had to stop listening to the bio. I don't know if I'll pick it back up or not. I just felt so like disappointed. Like, and so it was interesting to go back with like this sort of like, eh, I can take him or leave him sort of mentality, but I want to hold on to like who he was in Fresh Prince type thing and not think about all this other stuff. It's like the same thing sort of like with the Cosby show. Like I loved that show, but like, I don't want to think about the terrible thing, you know, that type of stuff. Right. Um, but you're the chapter of Fresh Prince. I was like, oh, I did love this show. I mean, they did so many amazing things in a time when, you know, you have to think like there's no internet, no social media, like they were bringing these topics to light, like you totally dove into in this chapter. And it's, it's, it, there's something a writer told me, um, he said, this was when we were kind of talking about Will Smith's career. And he said, I don't really know what's going to happen to Will Smith, but the young Will Smith is always going to keep 
the old Will Smith alive is kind of how he phrased it. So like, who knows what's going to happen with him in the future, but this, this character is going to be frozen in time and continue to be discovered. And I don't know what's going to happen with this, you know, this other version. I love that. I like that. I'm going to hold on to that. I like that. Yeah. 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 I really liked the phrasing of that a lot. Yeah. Okay. Fresh Prince. Then you did my so-called life, which was gone too soon. Oh, yes. My so-called life was, I picked that. That was the first uh, teen TV show that took a young girl seriously and Mm -hmm. looked at her problems and, and displayed them in a very realistic kind of dark way. There was a lot of darkness there. She was kind of, um, she had her flaws. She was messy. She had her edges, but you also loved her. So it was this three-dimensional female, char- young female character I don't think we had ever seen before. So I really wanted to explore that and the challenges that Winnie Holzman, who created the show, was up against with a network who was not particularly interested in doing a show about a young woman. They didn't really think that that was something that viewers wanted to watch, which is sort of crazy to think now. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's another show that like, totally I just like remember sitting in my living room watching that show because I think I was like a little young but like at a pretty you know maybe like pre-teenage just thinking like these are like feelings that like you feel in it you know when you go to like middle school or high school or whatever like that these changes and stuff like that and and it was so innocent and like you felt like she was, you know, that Angela was like such a relatable character to so many of us. Like you said, she was being taken so seriously. Right. And like these things, I think we hadn't really seen before. One of the characters is really self-conscious about the fact that she's developing and she likes it. And like that, I think was pretty revolutionary at the time. And then kind of on a more sort of superficial level, I guess I was curious, like, how was the character of Jordan Catalano? Like, how was he created? I wanted to hear from the writers all about the making of Jordan Catalano, like one of our biggest sort of heartthrobs in all of teen television, which was also really interesting to talk about. Well, I think Jordan Catalano, yes, I think for everybody was like the first like, oh my God. But I remember so many scenes with her, especially at the beginning when she's sort of like playing out where they're this like, you know, if there's going to be a relationship and you know that she obviously has like a huge crush on him and like her, the scenes and Claire Danes is like facial expressions and mannerisms were so they felt like palpable through the TV because that's how we all felt when like a boy that we liked or somebody that we liked walked by this like all consuming, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Oh my God, I'm going to die. Like feeling. And I thought that that was something she nailed so perfectly. It 100%. Like, I think the, what she really was trying to do was capture those really small moments. Like when mm-hmm. your arm brushes the other person's arm and like, what does that mean? Did they mean to do that? Like capturing, cause that's so much of what being a teenager is, is like clutching those moments and writing about it in your diary and wondering what's happening next. And everything feels so big. And I think she captured that really beautifully. Did you find like, what was a fun fact? And also I'll Fresh Prince too, but like, what was a fun fact? And you can include something in the book too, like that you found out when you were doing your research and interviews for Fresh Prince and My So Called Life. So with My So Called Life, it, this is such a this is such a, a a weird little thing, but that the network. So Winnie Holzman was really determined to have Angela Chase wear like 
the same clothes over like to not get to give her a small wardrobe and the network didn't like that they're like they said to her they called Winnie up and they said she's wearing the same flannel that she wore in the last episode and Winnie said yeah I know she's a teenager she has a select amount of clothes and that's what she's wearing and it was this very sort of small but revolutionary uh decision to not create this kind of wish fulfillment but rather have her dress the way that teens dress we have like eight shirts maybe rewear them and I loved that that was a little bit of a revolt against the network and that was a that was a cool thing um Fresh Prince this was like a little like wild anecdote that came out of it that kind of then made circulated around but uh one of the writers our executive producer um you know I don't remember if he's a writer or an executive producer so forgive me but um he said that he had pitched the idea of RuPaul coming on uh, Fresh Prince and Will Smith turned it down, which allegedly, according to him, which I thought was really interesting. And like, how amazing would it have been if RuPaul was on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Like, what a, what a, like, bad decision. Yeah, what a missed yeah. opportunity. Oh, that's so interesting. That's, yeah. And I, lo- okay, I love that about the clothes. Because that is true. We did not have, I mean, then you go to like something so polar opposite, like the OC, where they have like m- more clothes than anybody. So like, Angela was like a lot of us. Few outfits. The good stuff you wore a lot was in rotation a lot because you're like, this is my confident, fun, you know, whatever. Um, But I love that they that they went up against them because that's, you know, that was holding on to just the realness of like being a teen. That's why like that show was cut too short. Like that could have gone for a while, I feel. Yeah, it would have, it's, it's this weird thing where almost I wonder if it's, there's, there's like this nice feeling that we just get this one perfect season. I kind of Mm -hmm. feel that way with Freaks and Geeks too, where like it doesn't, things don't start to get weird in the college years and like things get murky season three or four and like, oh wow, we just have one perfect season with no criticisms. And that's good. Yeah, that's a good point. You're right. There are shows that it's a bummer, but you're right. Like some shows do after a while, you're like, oh geez, like we're jumping the shark. Like what is happening? Like you've lost me. Yes. Yes. Totally. Yes. Okay. Dawson's Creek. Um, so Dawson's Creek, I sort of very selfishly, this was the first one that I was like, this is, this is, I have to do something on this. Um, Dawson's Creek took teens so seriously the way that the teens on Dawson's Creek spoke, I think has had a ripple effect into the rest Mm -hmm. of the teen television uh, like universe where they were so sharp they were so self-aware they spoke the way that we as teens and probably we as an adults wished we spoke um and I think they did a really wonderful job of balancing drama with comfort which I think is a little bit of a hard balance to find where you Mm -hmm. there's uh there's edgy plot lines but you also feel like you're kind of wrapped in a blanket um which I think was sort of the ethos of the WB at the time. Um, and it gave us, it gave us like four, four huge stars. Like you get to see Michelle Williams when I think she was 16 or 17 in her first really big breakout role. And it's, it was just, it's fun to watch those uh, characters and those actors evolve when you go back and rewatch that show. Yeah. And like you said, you know, she's like now an Academy Award winning actress and who would have even thought that from like Dawson's Creek on WB which at the time when these shows were on like wasn't like the biggest network that was sort of like the like you said like I think it housed all of the 
it had I think Felicity did was W did Felicity, Felicity on W uh, yeah it had Buffy and it was at the time I think doing something kind of crazy at the time which was let's target 12 to 24 mm -hmm. year olds that demographic which other TV like other networks just were not doing and um it's they tapped into this untapped demographic um to much success yeah no I I mean the WB was like it for a while because you had like multiple that was the other part about like when all of these teen shows when some were sort of like on around the same time you like planned out your TV like you would either get the TV section in your local newspaper and see where you had to, you know or if you had to start recording something somewhere you know on a VHS on a different channel and that was like a whole programming issue <laughs> but like TV was like this ritualist, like it was just you sat down at this time, right at eight o'clock, whether you had friends with you, you know, or not, like, you know, and I think that was part of like the magic of it too. Like it felt like something really special. Not that it doesn't now, but it's just so accessible. It's like I can pause it and come back to it, you know? Right. It, it was what of like a, a wonderful bonding thing. It really, it totally. felt like it really brought friends together on like a Wednesday night at 11 mm -hmm. or whatever, 9 a.m., 9 p.m. Um, that I don't know people, I don't know if people gather to like watch a Netflix show in that way. No, because I feel like one of the shows I watched with one of my friends who lived up the street from me when we were in high school, we watched Sex in the City, and I had HBO and she didn't. And every Sunday night, she walked down in her PJs, we watched Sex in the City. And now it's like, and that was it. Like, she'd come down, we'd, you know, she'd come down a little early, we'd watch, then we'd talk a little, and then we'd be at school the next day. But, like, now, you know, like, you think of just like that, and it's like, well, it all comes out at once. And, you know, you're kind of just like, I'm going to do it while I'm folding laundry or I, I don't right. know. It was also like the age, of course. And like you had these freedoms, you weren't, you know, working or whatever. Like you could really just be like, I go to school, I do my sports and then I can do my homework before Dawson's Creek, you know. And I think Sex and City, that's another show that we had just never seen anything like that at the time. So that's another reason why you're gathering together. It's this like fresh type of material like how thrilling and now you know like the, I don't know I mean I you know I'm trying within just like that because I'm such a big Sex and City fan but I, I'm struggling yeah struggling I haven't even started season two but I've heard I'm like I need to do it because like I love the clothes and I love Sarah Jessica Parker but I also feel like maybe like you just said have this sort of like swan song one sort of season that was like we we got a glimpse we were brought back to like nostalgia but like can this really keep going right. like they, they they hooked me a little bit when I saw that Aiden was coming back so I was like okay like you know the, the dropping the little nostalgia gems like yes of course I want to see Carrie and well, Aiden Samantha. Chat together it was like and she right. signed on I know but I'm so I'm trying to keep my expectations so low with that one I know isn't it like a fair I, I'm gonna be it's so probably like yeah it's probably gonna Exactly. You're good. Keep the expectations low. Um, okay, wait. Okay, so Dawson's Creek. So tell me a fun fact about Dawson's Creek. You have a lot in this chapter. And I will say, before you tell us the fun fact, I was so fascinated, which we kind of what we were just talking about, about jumping the shark. I was so fascinating, um, fascinated, sorry, by how at the end of the seasons, 
they were like laughing at the scripts and sort of just like, okay, what is going on? And I was like so curious because I'm sure that happens more than we think it does. We just see this final prod product and we're like, this is great. We love it. Our favorite, you know, actors and actresses, but they're the ones doing the work. And so I was that whole like section that you were just like, they were just getting to the point where they're like, are we really doing this? It was that part. Yeah. That was so fascinating to me. Like there was season three was a really interesting one to get into because season three was when uh, Kevin Williamson, the creator of the show left. They had a whole new staff of writers who were trying to figure out the show. Alex Gonza, who went on to create Homeland was mm -hmm. the showrunner at the time. And he like did not get the tone of the show at all. He introduced this femme fatale character named Eve that uh, he had, uh, Casey and Jen hooking up, which like reportedly uh, Joshua Jackson, Michelle Williams really didn't like that. They went to, they like apparently went straight to the studio to complain about it. Um, and so, and so it was really rough. And then it, uh, they had the idea to bring Dawson and I'm sorry, Joey and Casey together, which revitalized the show. And the cast ended up being so happy about this one episode where everyone finds out. And it's a brilliant episode. It's written by Gina Fittori. Um, and that revitalized the show. But then come the college years, as I, you know, I talked about in the book, and the cast was super unhappy. And uh, Tom Kapanos, who was the showrunner at the time, as you mentioned, he would hear the dailies and he would just hear the actors saying like all this really bad stuff about the writing. They had he they had a episode called Four Scary Stories and uh, he overheard the actors calling them, calling it four shitty stories. Um, so he was, yeah, he was hearing all the, all the bad stuff that, that was going on. That was going on. I know. See, you wouldn't even like, you just don't think about that. Like when you're watching. Right. And I think with a fun fact, I mean, my, I think my favorite fact that I learned from this one was that, um, uh, so Tom Kapnos mentioned, also the executive producer, Paul Stupin, that Katie Holmes fought for, for uh, Pacey and Joey to end up together, which I, I didn't know. I don't know that that had come out, but um, they were going to have her end up with Dawson. And she, according to these two guys, came forward and was like, nope, nope, that's not going to happen. Uh, she's going to end up with Pacey. So interesting. And I like wonder if like, and I don't, maybe you found this out during some research, but like. Are, they did that whole cover shoot for Entertainment Weekly, like, at, I think it was the 20th anniversary or 15th, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20th. And I bought all of them. Like, you could buy I have them in a box. I was like, oh, I'm not letting this pass up. These covers are incredible. But I'm like, do they even, are they friends at all? Like, I don't ever really see them out together. I get, well, Michelle Williams, obviously, and Busy Phillips are like right. BFFs. Um, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like something when I read, like, maybe Katie Holmes was friendly with them, but then the Tom Cruise thing might have, like, deterred them from her. I don't know. I, I could be making that, that up. I think I read somewhere that following that anniversary shoot, they all got on a text chain. They're, like, all on a text chain together. So I wonder okay. if that kind of re, re I like that. that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that there's a, I love the idea that there's a Dawson's Creek, like, I love that. Chain. There, yeah. that makes me happy and I think it's really sweet if you ever look at um I think her name is Mary Margaret Humes who played Dawson's oh, mom her yeah his mom 
her her mom his mom and dad i think john wesley shit are like bffs from what i can see on instagram they're always hanging out it's like like very cute you Um, want no go ahead Oh, I think she's still very, very good friends with James Vanderbeek and Katie Holmes. They show up. So that that like little family unit, I think. Is, that is I love because you yeah. want in your mind, you're like, this is real. These people are real, even though you're like, it's not. But in your mind, you're like, they have to get together. Like, this is my life is depending on like people, you know, being these these characters. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if kids, I don't know. I'm curious. Like, I don't think my daughter has had any, you know, she loves like certain shows, but I'm like, I, we, and I think also besides like, you know, the sort of ritualistic special part of TV, it was also like a huge piece of it was like the magazines and how these stars would be on magazines or, and there were so many publications out and now like magazines basically don't like exist like they used to and I remember that was a huge piece of it too like 17 would have like Katie Holmes on the cover and then there'd be like this Q&A and you'd be like oh you know she's the best and I don't know that was like another piece of that puzzle to me absolutely I remember I would look at I would look like if there was one of the heartthrobs I'd love I'd like page through to see if he had a girlfriend like that was a big one that I would always look for pre-internet like that was the way to find out as if my 15 year old self somehow like had a chance if he did not have a girlfriend but like that was the world you were living in at the time totally (laughs) and like just like like all those mtv shows like they'd have cribs or like whatever and so you'd get like this glimpse in because like you said all of this was pre-internet you couldn't just google there was no scrolling or following people on instagram so like you had to really like investigate or like you know be watching all this stuff to be like in the loop like entertainment tonight was huge I felt like that was like it would come off after the local news like while you're eating dinner and you'd hear all like the latest gossip and there was like the do you remember the J Crew catalog with the Dawson's yes. Creek cast that was I yeah, that was like made that the cross promotional I think at the time was also pretty big to do well, that was like ahead of its time I mean now yes. there's so much cross promotion but that I remember came out and I was like I need all of these outfits and like did I, I, did I really want all of those outfits next no, I didn't really dress like that but I was like I need you know the original roll sweater from J Crew with like khakis or whatever right so even sometimes when I was oh, watching I was like yeah I think I now want a brown v-neck J Crew sweater sure yeah you're like she has it I need it I wonder I'm gonna I'm going on eBay after to see if that's being sold I would love to see what that looks like I I I forgot about that it is you will be you will go down such a nostalgic hole when you look at those pictures it's it's and it's like right when Dawson's Creek started so they're so they're so new and they're yeah it's very cool and it's like that and they like were tapping into like everyone was obsessed with them it's like mm-hmm. perfect marketing. And I will say, you know, teen actors go on to do like, as they get older, they, you know, a lot of these people have done different shows and, you know, whatever. Um, and I will say that when The Affair came out on Showtime and Joshua Jackson <laughs> was in The Affair, I was like, I don't remember Pacey was always like a heartthrob and so cute but I will say that Joshua Jackson is like aging so well it's not even normal not even normal yeah 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 I 
I feel like all we all of our like all of the team Pacey people can be like, yes, I stand by my choice. There, he's just yes. yeah, he's just forever. And in a very separate uh, for a separate occasion, I, I interviewed him uh, about a, he was doing a, an audible podcast, and and I was just like, wow, my my teen self is just every every dream was has he been nice? Realized. Yeah, it was so lovely. Like it was so uh, uh yeah. And it was my teen self was just came alive. And yeah. And I think I've read some interviews where every time an interviewer speaks to him, they're like, you know, you were my teen crush. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, gotcha. that's just yeah. like par for the course, Joshua. Like you just, but and the fact that like, you know, no one's being like, oh, geez, what happened to him? Everyone's like, oh my God. Like it's almost better than he was. You know, he was like baby face then and so cute. And now he's like this like strikingly handsome if you watch the affair, I mean, I was like mesmerized by him in the affair. Should I, I have not seen the affair. Should <gasps> yeah. I? Oh. oh my God. It is so good. It is so good. I don't even know what to say. You'll just be like in, he's just everything. You should watch really it. It's actually okay. really good. It's like well-written and so clever. And like, I think when it ended, it was ready to be over um but like Laura Tierney and just like the landscape of it being in the Hamptons and like these families and it's just but he just even if you don't even like the plot just watch it for him I'm I promise you I'm sold okay I'm sold yeah I'll watch I'll watch um what did I I'll finish Gilmore Girls <laughs> you can do that and then we can reconvene perfect um, perfect Okay, Freaks and Geeks, which I did not watch this, but I'm I have now bookmarked it in Hulu and will be watching that. So Freaks and Geeks was so it's funny. Some I think it was a reviewer who called it the anti Dawson's Creek, where mm-hmm. they they went as far away from wish fulfillment as possible. They were going to focus on real life awkward moments. They were going to show the true pain and agony of high school in a way that teen TV shows had never shown at the time. Um, and their writer's room, they all sat around and they talked about the worst things that happened to them in high school. And this was one of my favorite writer's rooms to learn about because it was really, they dumped out like all their most like traumatic high school moments and they stitched them into episodes in really real ways. Um, and so that when it was talking to, you know, Paul Feig, who created the show alongside Judd Apatow. And how they kind of wanted it to be this almost cinematic type of show. Like it almost felt like a feature film. And mm-hmm. at the time, I don't think teen TV really felt like that or TV in general felt like that. Um, and so that was really interesting to learn about. Um, and like just the cast, like it, you will never see a more like it was every single one of those people went on to have really incredible, incredibly successful careers. And the casting director Alison Jones was given this really unusual ask. She was told, we only want you to find people who they're not cheerleaders. They're not jocks. They look like real people, which again, in the world of the WB, which was all about like extreme beauty, that was also really like a groundbreaking thing at the time. Was Freaks and Geeks WB? Freaks and Geeks was NBC. NBC. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, I remember like seeing previews and stuff and then obviously I've seen it pop up but like but we all knew those kids like that was another show that I'm like yes this is like my so-called life in the sense that it's like 
yes, we all went to high school with people like the Dawson's Creek people and like maybe they were nice to us, maybe they weren't or whatever. But And then we also went to school with the Angela Chases and the kids from, you know, that was like a very good alter ego to like what you said, what we were all seeing, especially like the OC and stuff like that. Yes, exactly. And something Paul Feig said uh, while we had our conversation, he talked about how, you know, he he considered himself more of a geeky kid in high school and he had never really seen geeks uh, portrayed in accurate ways. They always had some, like the tape on their glasses and, you know, like suspenders. And he was like, yeah. no, I want to show like my people in the way that they actually are and they actually exist. So I, I appreciated that they didn't lean, lean into stereotypes the way that I think other shows had at the time. Um, and also like no one was having like no one was like having good kisses on that show, you know, like that was real to high school. We none of us were having these like magical kisses. Things were just like awkward. And you like if weird. you just said hello to the person you liked, that was enough. Yeah. So weird. And like then there was like this whole like it was like, oh, he's my boyfriend. And that meant like talking on the phone, but like it was silence for the most part. So what are you doing? Nothing. Oh silence okay see you tomorrow at school okay like it there was so much awkwardness and now like I don't even know navigating being a teenager what that even looks like um but so awkward yes it was I was like I remember AIM was a was a really big thing of how you would flirt with your crush when I say flirt I say that loosely because you were just you would just say like what's the homework and then they tell you and you're like hey cool bye and then that was and then you put up some away message like a song (laughs) lyric or something (laughs) I would say like out on the town and I was sitting there listening to the soundtrack probably totally (laughs) totally I mean that was like the the beginning of like what I'm saying like now I'm sure it's just like out of control but there was like that's the piece that like I fear for kids like now and just moving forward like it all was just like sealed with innocence like that's what it was like there was no and now I just think that a lot of that is lost and everyone's just like trying to be something they're not or you know and back then this was all like real innocent you know stuff and part of being a teen I have you seen the show Heartstopper on Netflix? The no, but Heart- I know it's like gra- it's like graphic. No- I keep seeing when I go to the bookstore, there are the graphic novels of it everywhere. I I want. I'd be very curious what you think of it because it it really feels like a return to those days. Oh, it's really it, it has like a my so called life uh, feel to it, but like there's like a sweetness. I would be very curious because it, it, it Ooh, there I'm is a watch. nice. I feel like we the pan pendulum seemed to swing first high school teen shows like where it sort of got really dark and gritty and uh social media like and this is I feel like a return to those roots so yeah okay I okay I'm gonna I wanna check that out because I keep seeing the graphic novels and they're like the TikTok you know they're always in like the book talk section (laughs) meaning like people are just continuously talking about them but um okay I will check that out um okay let's go to the OC Yes. So one of the first things that I learned that I thought was really interesting was that Josh Schwartz was a really big fan of Freaks and Geeks. Josh Schwartz, who was the creator of the OC, and Stephanie Savage was a really big fan of My So-Called Life. 
And they both knew that they couldn't make those type of shows because they were going to get canceled. So they did this really brilliant thing of packaging it like Beverly Hills 90210, but shoving in kind of like the delightful, like kind of weird, witty, like indie vibe of those other two shows. And it was Josh Schwartz called it his Trojan horse. Um, and so I think the OC was the first show that figured out how to create this very marketable show, but then mm -hmm. be subversive about it. So I really wanted to explore how they did that. And like, I mean, it was so uh, like going inside the writer's room of that one and going on the set and finding out about how they maintain those like love triangles and storylines and they were really racing to like keep up with the Ryan and Marissa of it all and um that one was a really fun one to do that I started doing a rewatch because my husband hadn't watched it and I was like okay and he loved Justin's Creek as a teenager I'm like you need to watch this and he did like it we stopped for whatever reason um which I said to him after, I was like, we have to pick this back up because even though that in the sense of these shows, that was like a newer, one of the newer ones, even though this was, you know, I don't even know when it premiered to that. Like, was oh, it 99, 2001? Yeah, okay. I think so. Hope yeah, 2001. Right. Yeah. Um, that still had this like sense of nostalgia, like, comfort and nostalgia I think it was like Kirsten and Sandy and like Ryan's like little guest house like I just remember being like that looks like the best place ever to live and like they seemed like down-to-earth parents even though and Sandy I think drove a lot of this because he was like this guy who married into you know this rich family but like they just seemed like parents that were just concerned for their kids and you know, that had like this comfort feeling to it. Yeah, there was one writer who said she had so much fun writing the Cohen family scenes because oh. she was like, I wanted to live in the Cohen family house. She just loved, you know, writing about Sandy and he's making the schmear. And she she said she kind of more struggled with writing the, the like real estate stories and the like Caleb Nichols of it all. But yeah, you want to spend time in that pool house and and eat bagels with them. Yes, the pool house. That's why I just want to go back. I'm like the pool house and just like Seth and they just were again it was like in 2001 I had graduated high school but I still was like I wanted all the like Marissa clothes I thought you know it was just you were still just relating even though you know at, for me I was older you know I was 18 going into college but I was like oh my god so cool the choker you know all of it Yes, it was right. It was like just drenched in wish fulfillment. Yes. Um, I still, when I was watching it, I thought, yeah, I would like all of Marissa's clothes and I would like to be, yeah, you, they really, they really nailed that. But it was, and then it was also kind of the comedy was really quirky in a way that you wouldn't expect. Um, yeah. And Ryan gets really funny as time goes on, oh, which also so you really cute. wouldn't expect from the bad boy that he kind of has like a self-aware quirky sense of humor where he makes fun of his own brooding. Um, and yeah, so I think it was a really unexpected teen drama in a lot of ways. Yeah, it has like a huge, I mean, everyone, you know, from the theme song, like it's just one of those shows that when you bring it up, people are like, oh, my, like, scree, oh, my God, like, I love that show. I just feel like that, you know, and I think a lot of these shows have that feeling, but that one for sure, because it was just 
the time. It was like, you know, 2000s, like there was fashion, there was style, there was, and I think um, the two of them, Stephanie and Josh, right, Josh, they did Gossip Girl, mm. right? Like they just have, they just know how to, like you said, like wish fulfillment, like I need, I want all of that. Like I want to be like her, you know, I mean, Gossip Girl was like, a pinata of like you did candy things that you were just like I need to be in this world and I felt like the OC was like that too yes yeah it's it was interesting like the fourth season when they knew they were kind of getting canceled was when they decided to almost kind of like say goodbye to the teen drama and just get really wacky Wacky. the fourth season is really yeah the fourth season is wacky and they're taking risks and they were kind of they're like they the way they phrased it was they kind of were like all right we're not scared about getting canceled anymore we don't really care what the network says we're gonna do some weird stuff with Che um and uh yeah and I'm like which is so yeah which was a fun season four I actually quite I feel like you could kind of breathe a sigh of relief when you watch that the drama is like not too stressful anymore um and I also thought that was one of the most perfect finales is one of my favorite. I still cry when I watch the finale of the the OC when Ryan, I, yeah. when he what? No, say I forget. Oh, I, but tell I realize me. am I spoiling or well? Hopefully, people have seen it. I don't know. There's there's a last scene of the show with Ryan, and it makes me cry. And okay, then just in case I need. I need. I know. I need to watch. I don't remember. I kind of remember, but I'm guessing in my head. But I won't have you say just in case. Either way, I have to go back and watch the end. But yeah, I do remember the end feeling like, okay, I feel good about this. And it was time to sort of close the chapter on the OC. Um, Okay, two more left. Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. And I've gotten some some weird flack about it not being a teen show, but I think it's inherently a teen show. I totally I, uh, think it's a teen show. Yeah. So it's that's how I saw it. Although it's interesting because some of the writers talked about how until they were told it was a teen show, they hadn't really thought of it that way. Um, because Same. maybe it's and that I think says a lot about Friday Night Lights is it didn't really fit this sort of specific category. Um, I think it was prestige TV, maybe even before we had a good sense of what prestige TV was. Um, it felt so, so deeply real and grounded. And something I loved was that the showrunner was Jason Kadams and he got his start on My So-Called Life, which was such a cool thread to watch because he really learned about writing real real moments and real teens while he was on My So-Called Life. And I think he brought that directly into um, Friday Night Lights. And like, they had to struggle a lot to stay on the air. Like they were kind of underappreciated at their time. And I think they're, People love the show now, but at the time, I don't know that it got the credit it deserved. I think people really wrote, the marketing really hyped up the sports element, which I think hurt the show a little bit. Yeah, I think with that show, though, like, you know, I think people think of, like, I remember in college, I read um, the book, right? Like, I took a sports psychology class, so I had to read the book. And so, like, there's many layers to that before it hits sort of, like, the you know glamorous cast of like it, this was based on like a real thing and then they had this movie that was like gritty and like I think that was more of like a sports movie but then they sort of took it and made this like 
teen drama because at the heart of it, it is all of these teenagers that are in high school that are living out what it is supposedly really like there. Like that football is like you are a celebrity if you are on these football teams with these billboards. Like this is a secular thing in the part of our country that like this doesn't happen everywhere. This is like a real thing. And I think I could see where it would be like gray, like a teen might be like, well, that looks, you know, that doesn't look like shiny and pretty enough, but really like it had all of the relationship and teen problems that, you know, all of these other shows sort of dealt with. Right. And right. And it was, it was super juicy. It had super like, it juicy. had that. Yeah. It was very, very juicy. It, um, I think they had to pull back a little bit in the pilot, the way that it was filmed was kind of like they went for it with almost really documentary style it was shaky it was super handheld and I think they were told to pull it back a little bit um but they had it was they did the rare thing of having a third camera which could capture these really intimate shots like a little moment of like the grandmother tapping her foot and it would just follow the actors could move however they wanted wanted wherever they wanted in space there were no sets everything that was used were real houses real restaurants real schools and I think you can feel that it translates when you watch the show that yeah you totally can and that show like you cried and you felt like you knew those people because like you said it just felt like a camera was following people around town they were just like living their lives and it was super juicy and I don't, Tim Riggins is like one of the best characters I think on, t- like that has I've ever watched on TV. I mean, I will never forget him from that show. I know he lives on, I have my, somewhere around here, I have my number 33 Tim Riggins pillow. That oh. um, <laughs> my boyfriend gave me as a, as a birthday present. Yeah. I love that. Really, yeah. Yeah. He lives on forever. Did you he, interview he was- him? I did not, I did not get him. Um, That was also like, it was interesting with the different shows to see who was up to talk and who wasn't. And um, it kind of, I felt like it gave me an interesting snapshot. Um, But Friday Night Lights, I would say was, I had the highest response rate for Friday Night Lights um, in terms of who wanted to talk about the show, which I think says a lot about like how people uh, felt about the yeah felt about the experience of the show their time and like you know that's like really but I get that because I think it was like it felt so real and I'm sure you know it like you said they weren't showing up every day to a set it was like they lived there and like we're like we're gonna go here and you captured that so well and I'm forgetting who who was the Peter? No, what was the guy that created? Oh, the Peter show? Berg. Pete Berg. Peter yeah. Berg, who like has is an actor and also directed like movies and just is like this incredible guy. And I feel like he probably was like really. I'm sure they left feel. I just feel like he was somebody that you it, you went to like a school for acting that they left and were like. I'm not, I've had this diploma from him because he seems intense, but he also seems like he wants to get it right. And I think he did such a brilliant thing during the audition process, how he auditioned these young actors where he wanted to see who could think on their feet. So he put them in these like crazy auditions. I heard some really interesting audition stories. He'd have them sing their lines. Um, Matt Loria, uh, who played in, oh God, how am I blanking on his character right now? 
I feel so bad. Uh, he's this, he's an incredible actor. He, he came in the fourth season and um, he had to say this line like two, two, four, six lawn row or something like that, an address. And when he went into audition, um, Peter Berg said, just say that one line. Like you can cry, you can get upset, you know, just say that one line. So he had a really like innovative audition process to pluck out actors who could be quick and could be like, you know, and that's what the show was all about. Yeah. And I feel like he really, not that like, I mean, all of these teen stars are sort of starting out unless they were like child actors, but for some reason, Friday Night Lights, maybe because like it wasn't glitzy and glam, he really had people that you were like, who is that? And like you left that they, and they were such an integral part of the show. And like the show is the acting. I mean, it's like so incredible. You're like crying or you're chuckling, but you're so like in tune to what is going on um, within, you know, whatever episode is, was, you know, airing that night. And they made Jason Kadams, it was really important to him to when the kids were going to graduate, they were going to graduate. Yes. They were not going to do those like weird things that high school shows did where they kind of kept them around and fudged the years. He was like, nope, they're all leaving and we're going to well, have a new class. Yeah, that was, well, that's the whole thing about now that I'm like, oh my God, like with 90210, like they were not teens. Like maybe Brian Austin Green was a teen and maybe Tori Spelling, but they were like 20. So now when you watch it, you're like, Dylan McKay looks very, like, I did not go to school with Dylan McKay. Like, I wish I did. But, like, none of the guys that were in my graduating cast look like Dylan McKay. Let's just be honest. They had baby faces, (laughs) and they were not that cool. No, but you you went to school with Landry and Matt Saracen. Like, those people you went to school with. 1,000%. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's crazy to think that that was a new thing at the time to cast actors who were of the right age and who were not going to hang around like seven years after graduation. It's yeah. like, okay, we've moved on, you know, like right. run along. Right. Um, okay. Let me, okay. Final show. Glee. Which this, I don't, it was hard to pick. I don't want to pick a favorite chapter, but I'm going to say that this was Glee was a top chapter for me. I couldn't, I could have listened to a whole book about your research on Glee. Glee, I was so excited and so nervous to tackle. Mm-hmm. That was the one I think I was the most nervous about. Um, I really wanted to get it right. Glee was, I think, the last like really great teen television phenomenon. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, no, go out. Um, yeah, I think it was. And it did something really bold and brave and melding like comedy and drama and these incredible musical numbers. They took a lot of risks with plot lines, some that worked, some that did not work. Um, and it was also like a very, it was a at its core, like a very, very optimistic show. And I think it, it wanted it made teens feel seen and and heard and like you could be an underdog and that's okay and you know you're gonna find your community and I think it had a powerful message um I was like so moved to hear even like looking reading after um Naya Rivera died and reading all the tributes to Santana were so moving to see how this character what this character meant to like the lgbtq community who hadn't seen a character like her 
on the screen. Um, yeah, I think this show really, really spoke to people. It spoke to me as a teen and, and as an adult rewatching it. Yeah, I they covered a lot. I mean, and and it it was so deep, like some of the stuff they tackled. And like you said, some of the storylines were zany, but for some reason it just worked because it was so colorful and so like campy and pop and whatever. But like they really were dealing with like these intense issues within the show and then like dealing with, you know, I mean, I know that it was sort of after for obviously Naya and then Mark, but I mean, Corey Monteith died while they were like in the height of their show. And if you watched Glee and like, I went recently back to rewatch the quarterback episode and I like him crying the whole, I mean, I get teary just even talking about it. It's like, and when you go into the whole you know, when you talk about the episode in the chapter, I'm just like, I don't even know. And then, oh, and then, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. But, and then in the chapter, when you talk about when they had the storyline about the domestic abuse with, I'm forgetting the gym or the teacher's name. Um, oh, uh, Coach Beast. Yeah. Coach Beast. Yeah. Dot Marie. And how she said that she could not like even keep it together when they were singing Naya and the girls were singing to her about how proud they were that and I'm just like when you reflect if you watch it in the moment there's so much going on you're just like oh I love the show the the singing was like incredible but like now reflecting and this is another one I'm gonna go rewatch because they really did tackle so many things and they did it through song and like songs have so much meaning regardless of if they're in a show or not they also have so much nostalgia and so they took all of these songs and placed them perfectly in these moments that like glee like I feel like you could cry your happy tears sad tears like glee I feel like you could the whole seasons just be like emotional <laughs> Truly, like, and it was, listen, like, speaking to the directors, I was particularly really enjoyed. And I loved that Tate Donovan started out as Jimmy Cooper on, on the OC and then went on to become a director on Glee. Like, I love yes, that. Yes, I love that. Line. I know, I loved all yes. of these things that you put together because I'm like, Hollywood is big, but like, seems like a very small world. It's really, it was so, these names kept reappearing. Yeah. And he's, he was one of the people I interviewed and he, he directed the episode where Santana uh, came out and he talked about filming that scene where Corey uh, sings to her girls just want to have fun. And he had originally when she comes out, it had been scripted that she was going to cry. And he said, I, you know what? I don't want you to cry in the scene. I want the audience to cry for you. I don't want you to be and we're going to have you cry later. And he said that he got in a lot of trouble with Ryan Murphy about that. Like that was like not okay with Ryan Murphy, but like he felt really strong about it. And um and then we get this at the end when that song happens is like it was the right choice, I think. Like that is a, such a powerful scene. Yeah. And no, so yeah. Beautifully by both of them. Yeah. Yes. And just like and I you know, I think too, just listening to the chapter and knowing all of this tragedy that sort of like is this umbrella over them really makes you wonder, like, it's just like, what the, like, I don't know. It's just crazy. And I know that, you know, Mark's situation, even though, you know, that has a lot of bad to it, like, it's still just like, it, all of it was just terrible. All of it. Like, and like I said, having Corey's be while they were, you know, filming 
was, I can't even imagine. And you sort of like lean into that a little bit in the chapter. But what I loved is that everyone you talk to like had not one bad thing to say about him. And I think that that makes it even worse. Like that's why I was sobbing in traffic. Cause I'm like, you knew he just was so cute and lovable as this Finn character, but you don't know, you know, you didn't know how, who he really was. And then these people just saying. It was, there was, um, there were two actors from the Glee project. Um, and they both, they both came over to Glee when they won the Glee project. And it was so scary. They were saying to go over to Glee, like it was this huge phenomenon. One of them mentioned that like, they didn't really get the impression that the actors were really psyched about the Glee project. Uh, which was that reality show that they did. Yeah. And both of them just talked about how Corey Monteith like made it less scary. And he was just so kind to them and like shepherd them in, in this like really like older brother type of way. And yeah, I was like telling you early, like there were so many stories I could not get everything in, but like everybody had just like the kindest things to say about him. Yeah. Um, and there's he's told one actress like she just she was like how do you do it how do you play Finn and he said oh I just empty my head is what he said he's like before each scene I just empty my head and it's I like knowing that and watching back and like knowing that's a little stage direction he gave himself yeah I love that I mean I could you could do a whole book on Glee I feel you you should can you do that by the way I know, yeah, I'm on it. I think there is one. So I coming out. So I, okay. I will flag that to to readers that I do think there yeah, is. Yeah, you should. You should yes, give us like your coming out. You should or and also you should give us um like some favorite pop culture. This is why I love Erin, because she just taps into all these pop culture moments that need to be discussed as well. Um, but I love people who share it's like, I don't know, it can be all consuming because I think if you loved pop culture as a kid, I think you never like lose that. Like you still just love all of it. <laughs> it's so true. And you, you find a kinship with people who feel that way too, because I know like when I finish a show I love, I get a little weird about it. I get weird and intense. I will not totally. stop thinking about it for long period. You know, other people I've watched the show with me have like long moved on and I'm still in it and feel like I have to talk about it and, yeah yeah I'm like and then people have moved on you're like oh like, I want to talk more please yeah yeah other, not everybody consumes it that way I no guess. people are like it was fine I've moved on I'm like <laughs> how have you moved on I, the last show and I just was talking to somebody about this where and it was a COVID thing that we watched that I had to for like two weeks just like be with myself and my thoughts about the show because I just was like I've never seen anything like this. I was so invested in everybody. I and I would if if you had just if you told me about the show, well I I trust you so it wouldn't matter. But if like somebody on the street was like you need to watch a show, it's about X Y and Z. I'd be like I don't know if I love that, but it was the show called Kingdom, and like Nick Jonas is in it. Which like if you Wait, I would have been like eh. I've not seen it though. Oh my yeah, gosh, that was yeah. my reaction. It's like really, it's like it's like a Friday Night Lights vibe, and it's about these two brothers who are mixed martial arts artists. And I guess it was on Spike TV, and then they moved it over to Netflix during the pandemic. And it was, I'm pretty sure it was like ending at three seasons, maybe. And it had this like resurgence during COVID that people were like, everyone was like, how has no one heard about this show? Like literally one of the best television shows. It was like, it's dark. 
it's like has like deep storylines but like it's about these two brothers and their dad and it's like in Santa Monica so it's like gritty but like it was one of the best tv shows and then when I finished it I actually signed a petition to get it my husband's like you know, you're spiraling you, know when you sign a petition yeah. he's you like that, you did yeah. not I'm like yeah. oh I did I was like I'm not letting it go I was like I can't I feel I don't feel complete I feel like I still need these people in my life so you have I would say it's a good show to like your boy you and your boy it's a good couple show because I feel like it has something for everybody but you will I know you will be like Okay, I am very excited. Okay, then this is my next one. It's on Netflix. One. Then I will, okay, and then Kingdom. I will sign the petition probably after. No, you will. Like, yeah, yeah, I will. You'll be like, how is this? And again, nothing I would have, if you said mixed martial arts with brothers, I'd be like, eh, I don't know. But it was, it has like the draw. It has like that feel of Friday Night Lights, like the drama, like you're invested oh. in these brothers. And Nick Jonas was... I couldn't even, and no one knew about it. That's why like during COVID people, and I'm telling you, I, every person I told who watched it texted and was like, oh my God. I'm like, I know, I know. Wait, I'm so excited. And I, it's been a little while since I've like gotten very intense about a show. So I'm ready to go there. I'm, weird. I'm okay. ready to get weird. I yeah. really need to, maybe you'll write a book for me. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'll be, okay. I, you can interview me about it. I'll be like, okay, I signed perfect. the petition. I was hung over <laughs> from it for like a month. I like couldn't, I was like, I don't even know what to do. Like I was like physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted from the show, but like I needed more of it. It was like a drug. So I'm telling like, you. If only the... You know, I hope some I hope somehow the writers are listening to this because can you imagine how flattering this is for writers yes. to hear that? Oh like that this yeah, especially if their show got canceled. Like I hope yes. they I hope they see the petitions. I hope they see this because like I'm forgetting the name of the guy who is the lead brother and he one million trillion billion percent should have been nominated for an Emmy. I don't even know how, maybe because it was such a small show and didn't get the following. I'm totally blanking. You'll know who he was. He was in like sleepers. He's from Boston. He played this brother so well. I'll message you who it is. You can just look yeah, it up. Please. But he was incredible. So I would be curious if you start it. I want to know. Okay. Yes. I will keep you updated. I, your opinion would be very valuable to me. I will also make an amendment. I'm pretty sure the OC started in 2003. Um, I got that wrong. Yes, because okay. I think it was. The, I think the 20 year anniversary is coming up next month. So just an amendment. Yes, on that. because yes. there's a book coming out. Yes, exactly. With by um, Josh Schwartz, I think is doing. Yeah. We need shows to all have some sort of anniversary, but I need. This is what I need. This is what I live for. I know. I just. I want every show that I love to have have like an in depth book. That is all I, I feel ask like for. you could yeah. really lead this brigade, Thea. I'm ready. This I'm is, ready. Okay, I'll that's start my with next, Kingdom. Please, please. Yeah. Well, first finish up Glee. You have all the material. Okay. Just throw it. Just put together <laughs> something, and we'll subscribe. Um. <laughs> do you think you would do something like? What do you have something else in the works? Are you taking a break? Like, what's next for you? Yeah, I think so. I I definitely want to do another pop culture book and a, a book about. I really I love writing about TV. So I, okay. I think I would really love to do, I think I would really love to do another one on, on TV. Um, okay. So this is definitely, I have, I have, there's more to come. Um, okay. I'm excited. Yes. Yes. I'm available for, sure. for interviews, insights or tidbits, just so you know. 
If you asked me to research a show, I'd be like, you just tell me what you need. Yeah, I'm on. <laughs> I'm holding you to that. Perfect. Um. Okay. Now we're going to do Thea's chic list. I've literally kept her for so long, but I could probably talk for another, like, I could talk till tomorrow about TV and pop culture. And it, and when you find somebody, like you said, equally excited, it's very hard to just not talk about it. Okay. Um, The author that inspired or inspires you the most and why? Okay. So that, and I wonder if you maybe know her because she's, she's friends with Aaron is Jennifer Armstrong. I don't um, know her, but I have all of her books. Okay, so there. Okay, so you will completely understand this as why she is my my chic list author. Um, she taught me. I I read. Um, I actually I started with Sex and the City and Us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I read Seinfeldia. I didn't know you could write narrative nonfiction about pop culture. I, that was a genre I didn't realize existed. And she did it so beautifully, and I felt like I was in it. Like she created characters out of these writers and actors and um. And it was almost like reading fiction in a way that it was so, so she, yeah, she continuously inspires me. And like, I think I hold her responsible for me writing this book because she's like taught me that this was possible. And she does the foreword for your book, which is incredible. Yes, exactly. Like full yes. circle. Yes, she's exactly. a, she's a really fun follow. Cause she, you, you can see she feels the same way about pop. Like she just gets it. Yes. I love she's, she's a, a pop culture historian which is like yes. I love that that phrasing like well yeah. you I feel like that you are too I mean you went back to shows that are technically older I I, I aspire to that to that okay. label you're on that road making, yes yeah you're on that road okay your current tv binge series um so I just finished rewatching Shit's Creek which is, is one of my favorite shows it is a warm hug I've seen it a million times but I just went through it again uh haven't seen if anyone out there hasn't seen it I highly oh, recommend I've seen it. it it is yeah I, it is it is a warm hug that's the perfect uh, explanation and I still laugh you know I've seen it so many times but I still laugh like I still you know there's still moments I'll like let out a fresh laugh and Patrick singing simply the best to David I will know. never get old never you know, get old never get old I know David Rose is like I mean he is just I just want to be friends with Dan Levy like I just feel like his facial expressions the way he says things like there's nobody else like him out there like he is just everything there was one birthday where I think I exclusively got Schitt's Creek themed gifts from every independent friend that I I have and I was like wow it was so nice I was like wow I must have been talking about the show a lot like everybody seemed to like and I was like that's perfect I have so many magnets and mugs I'm so happy with it yes celebrate it um last favorite book and current read um so my last favorite book is a book called End Credits, How I Quit Hollywood. It's by Patty Lynn. I interviewed her for Freaks and Geeks. She was a writer on Freaks and Geeks. And she wrote a memoir that is incredible. It's out. Uh, oh my God. It's out soon. I, now I'm, I'm blanking on when it's out. Um, I believe it's the end of the month. And she um, she basically she wrote for Breaking Bad, Friends, Desperate Housewives, and it's about why she quit the business. And so it's like a memoir, but it's also sort of a spiritual journey of her as a writer. And it's, it's you get this fascinating look inside all of the different writers' rooms. Um, highly recommend it. Uh, I learned 
friends, you know, I'm obsessed with friends and I learned a lot about kind of like the darker sides of the friends writers room, which I didn't realize and what it's like to be on that really popular sitcom, which was fascinating. She's a great writer. Highly recommend. Um, and the book I'm reading right now is um, called, oh, it's right here. Okay. It's called The Good Enough Job. Have you heard of this? It's like I haven't. A, it's, um, it, <laughs> it explores kind of finding it's, it says reclaiming life from work and it kind of explores finding a work-life balance and it she talks to all these different people in different professions and I think as a writer you can kind of struggle with where to find you know it's it's you're not always making you know you're making the money from you know every it's yeah. all it's a complicated yeah so I'm trying to kind of like learn about redefining work yes I love that okay I love that. And I'm, yeah, I want to read that end credits book. It sounds. Yes. I think you would really love All those shows I loved. Yes. Like Breaking Bad and Desperate Housewives. Um, and Friends, obviously. Um, okay. Sand or Snow? Snow. Snow. A la, a la Stars Hollow. Yeah, Good I know. It's true. Snow. It is. Yeah. I know. All the winter, like, portions of season of the seasons uh. are so good. Um, okay. Coffee or tea order? Uh, so I'm, I'm a hot chocolate person. I love that. Uh, I'm a hot chocolate with like a, a little bit of vanilla syrup and some whipped cream is my hot, hot order. I love that. That would be at Stars Hollow. It's 100%. Um, favorite bookstagram account? Um, it's a bookstore in Pasadena called Roman's Bookstore. Uh, it just like I feel very cozy when I look at it and they... They just recently have a book selection based on all the different eras of Taylor Swift, uh, which I thought was very uh, creative. They do a lot of like fun things like that. There, I feel like I saw that pop up, I feel, because I was like, that is so smart. And like, I'd read yes. everything that you, if you're correlating a book to a Taylor Swift era, I'm probably, oh yeah, I'm please, reading yeah. it. Give it all, I'm give reading. it all. Yeah, yeah, give it all. Maybe you can do that. Could you do a Taylor Swift book? I'm just going to send my wish list. <laughs> tell me what I want to do I um I know I feel like she, because she's so notoriously private I wonder if she would be a very hard, hard one but I to, feel like you just need yeah. to talk to people about what we're what we're in right now we're in this like hazy uh, we're in we're the in lavender, lavender haze Thea. yeah we and, really we and are. I don't want to be out of it like I just am here no. I'm like I think she and I wasn't even the biggest fan and now I'm like how did we not how did I live without her I like I don't I get it I have my eras tour on Friday I will be wearing you're going on Friday bracelets. I'm going okay, on I, Friday I've seen I saw it okay I saw oh, it please, you went I did. I went to the rain show in Boston, the rainiest rain show ever, with my two children and my husband. And let me tell you this. I went in. My daughter wanted to go. It was like a big deal. I'm like, okay, we'll we'll get tickets. And my son was six. My daughter's nine. And they had a ball and like knew all the songs and I went in being like I like her but like I wasn't like die hard like my daughter had a ziploc of the like she knew what to do and my husband's like I like her whatever I left he left that stadium 1000% converted to a Swifty like I was like I don't like what was wrong with us he's like I don't know he's like this is all we need to be listening to like I you felt, and so, there's been so many different like videos and studies. You do get this like bizarre 
high feeling there because every single person is so happy to be there. There's not a grump. There's a, people are just singing, twirling, sparkling. You're just like, and we were getting trenchly rained on and it felt like nothing was even happening. Oh, that makes me so happy. Everyone's in there yeah. like fringe dresses um, and they're, you know, they're cowboy like, boots. Yeah. She goes on, you're going to be even more like you obviously sound like a huge fan. So you will leave probably crying because it is incredible what this woman does. Like it is incredible. There is nobody I, like her. I cannot wait. I will sob as soon as the 10 minute. I don't know if they do the 10 minute all too well, they version, do. but I'll. They do. All right, perfect. I'm, yeah. The way the that they go are... from era to era, oh. her costumes, she's singing live. It sounds like you're listening to see. It's just, you need to report back. I will. Share, I will. share with the fans what you feel. Yes. Okay. One Swifty to a new Swifty. Yeah. I'm a new, I'm, I'm a convert. Yeah. And she and I have the same birthday. So now I'm like, I love that we have the same birthday. Uh... We're both December 13th. So. Um, okay. Name an author. I said favorite books. Okay. Name an author you'd love to have coffee or a cocktail with. Um, her name is Sharon Creech. She wrote all of my young adult favorite books. It was walk to moons, absolutely normal chaos. She just like, was it like a, an author I read when I was growing up who just made me feel like it was, I think a part of what made me fall in love with reading. And so I would love to that have coffee with her and just find out how does one write a young adult novel that like speaks to to teens and and young kids um because I think that's such a unique skill so I'd love to, I do like, too and like why I've read recently why is as a 40 year old that I'm like I love this book it's such what a like what a genre that transcends in a way that you wouldn't really expect and totally. like there's like yeah I've secretly like have a dream to write a YA novel and I have no idea where I would start so it would be so cool to like have coffee with somebody who does it really well I think you have a great YA in you just gotta do it just go for it just go for it um okay who is your style icon um so back to friends Rachel Green is the my best. style icon she's just yeah yeah consistent through all 10 seasons just like kills so it. consistent yeah. and just the best yeah. and like it's like like I want to be friends with Taylor Swift and Jennifer Aniston like oh yeah and like I you know she gets super chic towards the end but also like I love her kind of early seasons like the like the Levi's and the but white that was like the time that. like that was like mm-hmm. the cool look and then they did like the same thing with that marketing like remember they all did the got milk and they just looked so like 90s and it was like such a vibe. And the the lipstick that she wears is this kind of like brick red lipstick. I just discovered it's still on the market. It still exists. So I will. Oh, yes. what is it? Oh my what God. I will. It's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's Maybelline. I'm going to, I will send you okay. the, or I'm we'll curious with the masses. Yeah. Yes. I We're curious. That. Okay. I love that. Um, book you wish they made a movie out of. Um, it's a book called Prep by Curtis. Kurt- oh gosh. Sittenfeld, Chris um, yes. Sittenfeld. Yeah, oh, that how that has not been made to me. I know. Very, by, um, I don't. I mean, I'm really drumming the young adult train, but like, wow! I remember reading it. it almost felt like nonfiction. Like it, it really felt like a memoir. Um, and someone, I hope someone taps that soon. I know. Me too. There's yeah. so many books that could go, and I know they're on the writer strike, and now the actors are striking, and obviously, rightfully so. But 
there are so many great books that could be made into movies. I feel yes. like I'm, I'm like, I hope that they get what they deserve and then we can get all of our wishes fulfilled, but they need to hang in there. Yes. Yeah. Solidarity. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Speaking of writers, best advice for an aspiring writer or reader? Um, I think maybe a couple of things. Like, so for an aspiring writer, I would say trying to find writer, other writers who you respect and, and have a formal relationship in any way, like start a writer's group. Um, and even if it's just like an email chain where you write back and forth and ask for advice or you workshop each other's pieces, like I think finding a, a little community because writing is such a solitary uh, and can sometimes feel really alienating. I think that's a really wonderful thing to do. Um, and, and an aspiring writer who's looking for an agent, something that I think is really helpful is to look at the books that you love, look in the acknowledgement sections and look at who the agent is. And that could be a really good person to reach out to um, because they're interested in the kind of work that you're creating and the kind of work that you love. Um, so that's like a couple of things that I would, I would recommend. Yeah. Or and one other thing is if you have a favorite writer looking up to see if they like offer workshops or any kind of like classes yeah. and those classes, that's, that's super helpful too. I love that. Those are all really great tidbits. Um, okay. Where can, um, we follow you on Instagram. Yes, I'm at Thea Glassman, T-H-E-A-G-L-A-S-S-M-A-N. Thea Glassman. And everyone should follow because now I've given Thea a million assignments to let us <laughs> follow up, let us know, start writing. I'm going to keep on Thea because I really truly mean this. Like this book, if you grew up in the late 90s, 2000s, love pop culture. Maybe you haven't, you haven't even watched these shows and buy the book, watch the shows, then, you know, listen to the book or read the book. Um, It really was just like, you're saying all of these shows are like a warm hug and this book was like a warm hug. Like this book is nostalgia at its finest. So thoughtful, so well done. And to take on seven shows and it be so concise and just so seamless and smooth is like such a hard thing to do. And you gave us what we wanted to know. And like the fact that it's over and we're wanting more, I think is the best thing that we can say to you. Not that it was like, oh, I've, I've heard enough. It was like, you could have gone on for so much longer and it wouldn't, it would have felt like an extra 30 minutes. So I, as a pop culture freak and person who loves tv and grew up on was raised by tv it truly was a gift so i from the bottom of my heart truly i thank you i think we need more books like this after what the world has gone through and how like you know it's not like it was when these shows were going on this is we go through like a lot of heavy times so this was just light so thank you <laughs> Well, thank you so much. You just gave me a warm hug. So thank you. That that means so much. It really, truly, thank you so much. Good. That means the world. Oh my gosh. I truly mean it. So everyone needs to to listen and buy. And the Audible was fantastic. The um the narrator is from a little show from the big lineup of TJF Step by Step, which I loved, Christine Lockin. And follow Thea. And I feel like you're just getting started and you have a fan in me. So thank you for taking this like totally long evening. <laughs> I could have talked for it like 10 more hours. It was such a joy. It was <laughs> such a joy. I thank you so much. And I will have so many. I will watch Kingdom. I will send you 
Rachel Green's lipstick and yes. yes. And report back on the Eras tour. Yes, I will do. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you everyone for tuning in.